Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey guys, before this episode starts, I want to talk about some pretty cool news. Oki Investigations now has its own website. It's truecrime.blog. And it is a running blog for crime stories and for this show. So if you're a true crime buff and you want to see some cool things that we gathered while researching each show, including a like timeline of events that we put together, uh, newspaper clippings, court documents, and much, much more, come check us out at truecrime.blog. One, two, three. Hello everyone and welcome to Oki Investigations. My name is Trevor Shelby. In this episode, we're going to discuss a love letter that led to murder. In this episode, we will discuss what happened, why, and what's happened since. But first, if you're a first-time listener, to experience this podcast to its finest, hit that subscribe button so when we have new episodes, you will be the first to know. Then head on over to our Facebook page. Here we can discuss the case together and perhaps come up with our own theories on the many cases that will be featured on this show. You can find us at facebook.com forward slash Oki Investigations. May 16th, 1921. In the little town of Caddo, Oklahoma. Shortly before dark, Lloyd Weidman was just leaving the Baptist church with a friend. They got into his car, and he took his friend home that was across town. On his way back, he drove down Buffalo Street and then turned south on Manning. A little ways down, he spotted a woman standing near the steps of the Methodist church. He then pulled into his driveway, which was near the same church. It had been a long day for Lloyd. He was ready for bed. No sooner than he turned the lights off and slipped into bed, he heard the unmistakable sounds of gunshots near his home. The shots were so loud that Lloyd feared for his home and his neighbors. Quickly, Lloyd ran from his home, where he ran into his neighbor, Ray McGee. Ray had also heard the shots. One single shot followed up by several quick shots. Seeing that their neighbors were okay, they saw movement from the Methodist church. A man and woman were standing there. The woman was hysterical. As they approached, they heard the woman yell, He insulted me! Lloyd knew the two as Mordecai and Sadie Golden. He looked to where they were both looking, and that's when he saw it. A man was laying on the ground, not moving. Lloyd slowly approached and quickly recognized Tom Craighead. Lloyd quickly moved to help Tom, and he heard a sickening, gurgling sound coming from Tom. He then realized Tom had just taken his last breath. Tom Craighead was a prominent man in Caddo. He owned a garage in town and had a small family, a wife, and two children. Tom's wife was sick and in the hospital at this time. A small crowd started to gather. Mr. and Mrs. Golden had walked over to a nearby house to make a phone call. As they did so, Miss Golden's father pulled up in his automobile. Miss Golden's father was D.B. Williams. He was well known in town. 
At this point, he'd been living in Caddo for the last 22 years. He was in the furniture and undertaker business. He was also the city's treasurer, and has held other offices in the little town. Although he had not been there but for a minute, he already knew what was going on. No one needed to call police, though. Constable Alexander heard the shots and was already on his way. When he arrived, he was met by Williams, who stated that Golden wanted to give up. Officer Alexander met Mr. Golden at the door and asked if he wanted to give up, and he agreed. Golden reached out his hand and handed a 25 caliber automatic pistol to the officer. Officer Alexander quickly made arrangements by getting a car to drive Mr. Golden to the jail in Durant. Now along the way, the officer noted that Mr. Golden didn't really talk much. What he did say was very telling as to why this all happened. He said that he and Tom grew up together and went to the same school. He just found out that Tom tried to contact his wife through a letter that was left for her. It didn't say who it was from, but it suggested that the author always loved Mrs. Golden and wanted her to come over and stay the night. If she accepted, she was to meet him at the church that night. When they arrived at the jail that night, Officer Alexander handed the automatic pistol over to the jailer. The jailer then turned the colt over to Sheriff Russell Taylor. Mr. Golden was far from the only person arrested for the killing. After details were found out, others were arrested as well. The Oklahoma Daily Democrat had this to say at the time. This was published on May 18, 1921. Murder charges to be filed against Miss Sadie Golden. County Attorney Phillips announced that this afternoon that he had drawn information charging Miss Sadie Golden, wife of Mordecai Golden, with murder, jointly with her husband. Her husband surrendered night before last for the killing of Tom Craighead at Caddo Monday night. It was alleged that Miss Sadie Golden was with her husband at the time and was party to the killing. No date yet has been set for the preliminary hearing. And just days later, the Muskogee Times Democrat reported on May 25, 1921. Father is arrested. D.B. Williams, father of Miss Golden, was arrested today and charged with being accessory to murder. The prosecution admits that the evidence against Mr. Williams is purely circumstantial. According to the evidence that was brought out this morning before Justice J.R. Broderick, Williams, father of Miss Golden, telephoned to Pink Williams, his son at Durant, on the day of shooting of Craighead, and advised Williams to tell Golden to come at once to Caddo, where Golden's wife was living. Golden... His wife and Mr. Golden's father came downtown in the evening and went to Craighead's garage and then returned to the church where it was alleged that Williams left the church a few minutes before the shooting, according to the statements. Now, this was one of the biggest things going on in the state at the time. All of the newspapers were covering it, and if you wanted to see some live entertainment, Going to see an accused murdering family on trial was a cheap way of having something to do. People traveled from all over the state to see what was going on in the little town of Caddo. So many people came, in fact, that Sheriff Rule Taylor had to swear in a number of special deputies to help keep order. At the preliminary hearing, it was reported that the state had over 100 witnesses to the crime. But 
it was quickly evident that not one of those witnesses actually seen the crime. They just saw the aftermath of the crime and or were character witnesses that would only speak on Mr. Craighead's kind nature. The defense, however, had two very important witnesses to call, Mr. D.B. Williams and Mr. Goldham themselves. This was a bold move because they would be showing their hands for what was coming at the trial, but attorneys believe that their testimony may clear them of any wrongdoing and may end the need for a trial in the first place. Mr. Williams' testimony was reported about in the Durant Daily Democrat on May 30th, 1921, that on the evening of the 16th, he stopped at the post office, went on his way home to supper, and got a letter out of the office addressed to Miss Sadie Golden, and that he took it home and gave it to his daughter, Miss Golden, who was at the time in the kitchen preparing supper. Miss Golden opened the letter and after reading the contents, came out on the porch where he, Mr. Williams, was sitting. She was crying and showed him the letter. The letter about which the tragedy is woven reads as follows. May 16th, 1921. Miss Sadie Williams, Golden. I have long admired you. Although I was never with you, yet you know me well, and so do I you. And I am lonesome. I have a home, but I am by myself now. So if you wish to have a good time for one night only, Meet me in front of the Methodist Church tonight at nine o'clock sharp, and go home with me, and spend the night, and I will take good care of you. I can't tell you my name, but you was almost raised with me, and I was no stranger to you. If you don't come, or you do not wish to have a good time, tear or burn this up, and think no more about it. Lovingly yours. Now, Mr. Williams looked at the handwriting of this letter, and he decided that it wasn't a man's handwriting, but it was probably a woman who had wrote the letter. That they discussed the matter a while, and finally concluded that it was written by Miss Smith, who lived on the same street. According to Mr. Williams' testimony, he tried to get his daughter to just ignore the letter. He didn't see any point in bugging Mr. Golden with something as silly as this. At this time, Mr. Golden was working in his brother-in-law's furniture store in Durant. Now, remember, this is 1921. When you make a phone call, you have to speak to an operator to have a call connected to make that call. It was common for the operator to be someone in the local area, and they may stay on the line to listen in. This had been going on for quite a few years. A lot of people would commonly be tense with saying any gossip over the phone. Mr. Williams decided that he would go ahead and call Mr. Golden at work. Mr. Williams spoke to his son, who owned the store, and told him to loan Mr. Golden his car, and that he needed to come home right away. When asked why, Mr. Williams said, I just can't stay over the phone. Knowing that there might be trouble coming, Mr. Williams then testified that he drove to his place of business and got his pistol. He states that he kept one there because he was in the undertaking business. As if that explained it all. I have so many questions to why an undertaker needs a gun. And hopefully it doesn't involve zombies. Anyways. They all met up at Mr. Williams' home just before dark, and after reading the letter, Mr. Golden decided that they would try to figure out who wrote this once and for all. 
Now, according to his testimony, Mr. Golden asked if Mr. Williams had a gun, and he said yes and told him where it was. They retrieved it, and then Mr. and Mrs. Golden left Mr. Williams' home and went in the direction of the church. Now, we will pause Mr. Williams' testimony here and move over to Mr. Golden's testimony. So, Mr. Golden stated that he was working at his brother-in-law's store and that he was told to go home. His brother-in-law then come up with a set of codes that they could say over the phone that prying ears would not understand. They had a code that was number one for there was no trouble, and number two, if there was trouble. Mr. Golden states that he drove home to find his wife upset and crying. She showed him the letter, and they discussed the possibility that it might be Miss Smith down the road who wrote it. Mr. Golden stated that he wanted to know for sure, so he thought of a plan. He and his wife would go down to the meeting spot. Mr. Golden would hide out of sight, and then they would find out who would come to the meeting spot. That way, when they turned it over to police, there was no doubt who had written the letter. Mr. Golden then said that he asked for a pistol because there was a very real chance that the letter was not written by Miss Smith and that he didn't want to take any chances. So they left Mr. Williams' home, and they proceeded to the church. Mr. Golden then hid behind the church, and Miss Golden was waiting at the front of the church. When no one came, Mr. Golden told Miss Golden to walk downtown and then back to the church, so that whoever wrote the letter might see her and see that she's waiting for them. She begged Mr. Golden just to give up at this point. No one had showed up. She was getting scared, and she didn't like where any of this was going. But Mr. Golden insisted, and she left to go downtown. She walked through town and circled back to the church. Mr. Golden had found a good spot to hide where he could see what was going on, and no one else could see him. It was at this time Mr. Craighead was walking down Manning Avenue. He lived right behind the church, and he went into his home. He turned on some lights and came back out of his home, and then he walked back to the church right up to Miss Golden and said, Well, you're up pretty late tonight. And Miss Golden responded sharply, Yes, I am. And then he said, Let's go to the house. At this time, Miss Golden was shocked at that Mr. Craighead was the man who wrote the letter. She belted out, well, you were the one that caused all this trouble, are you? Mr. Golden then stepped out of his hiding place and asked, Tom, what have you done? Tom, who was quite shocked about being confronted, stammered and then said something about not writing a letter. When Mr. Golden began to approach, Mr. Craighead then reached into his pockets as if he was grabbing something. This frightened Miss Golden, and she screamed. Mr. Golden, fearing that they were in danger and that Mr. Craighead was about to pull out a knife or some other weapon, he quickly shot him to defend himself. After that, they went to the neighbor's house and waited for police to arrive. After the shots were made, Mr. Williams went down to see what was going on. That's when he found out that Mr. Golden had killed someone. He told Officer Alexander that Mr. Golden wanted to surrender, and then after that, he went home to call his son-in-law to let him know what happened. Now, like I said before, the prosecution had a lot of witnesses that they called to the stand. None of them actually witnessed the crime. 
they were either people who saw what was going on before or after the shooting. And then they had a lot of character witnesses who would go on to say that this is not something that Mr. Craighead would have done. The defense moved to end the court case at this point. There was absolutely no evidence to rebuttal what Mr. Golden and Mr. Williams had testified to. The judge stated that at this point he had no power to end it and that they were discussing the matter of bonds today. Mr. Williams and Miss Golden were let out of jail on bond to wait for trial. Mr. Golden, however, would be held without bond. Mr. and Mrs. Golden would be arraigned on June 6, 1921, where they would plead not guilty in the charge of murder of Mr. Craighead. The long-awaited trial did not take place until the following year. On April 6, 1922, the trial was about to start, and the jury selection had begun. They had a hard time finding anyone who had not already read what was happening and perhaps not already formed a biased opinion in the case. It took them all day, and they had to go through the entire jury pool that had come in that day, but they had gotten it done. It was reported that the courtroom was standing room only. There were many people from all over the state who were eager to find out firsthand what was going on. The trial was drawn out for its time. Usually these things happen very quickly and sentences are given out. The prosecution had to call their witnesses and quickly built their circumstantial case. They called witness after witness in hopes that they could convince the jury that Mr. Craighead was not capable of doing what the defense was accusing him of. One of the witnesses that the prosecution had called was a former superintendent at the school in Caddo. Mr. Morris stated that he taught Miss Golden and Mr. Craighead penmanship. They were both taught different styles of writing, and it was his opinion that the letter was most likely written by Miss Golden herself. They did have a little bit of a ruckus during this trial when a man was found in the courtroom with a pistol. It happened to be Mr. Golden's brother, Ira Golden. To make matters worse, Ira was sitting directly behind the prosecuting attorney. Ira was disarmed and then held in contempt of court. He was freed after it was found that the language in the state laws about bringing a gun to a courthouse was confusing, and they could not prosecute Ira for having the pistol on him. The defense called Mr. Williams and Mr. Golden, who repeated their previous testimony, and then they showed the letter to the court as evidence to support their claims. The jury was handed the case, and they deliberated for 25 hours and 30 minutes. After that, they informed the judge that they had a verdict. Everyone again gathered in a court to hear that verdict. We, the jury, duly impaneled upon our oaths, so find the defendant, Mordecai Golden, not guilty for the murder of Tom Craighead. After this was read, Mr. Golden was all smiles and made sure to go to each juror and shake their hands. Right after the trial, the attorneys were made sure to announce that the trials for Miss Golden and Mr. Williams would still go forward. But a few months later, the prosecuting attorneys decided to drop their cases against them. If they could not convict a man who pulled the trigger, it would be even harder to convict the people that were involved who did not do the killing. 
Through my research, I didn't find out what happened to Mr. and Mrs. Golden after this trial. I will continue to do a little bit of research on this and will provide an updated episode down the road on that. I hope you guys enjoyed this story. Uh, this one was a lot, a lot of fun to research. I kind of stumbled upon it like I do a lot of these cases where I'm researching something and then I kind of get the names of some other cases uh, when I read when I read like the different arraignments that are going on at that time. And I, I quickly take notes to, to a lot of those. And this one, I just started doing a little bit of research on it. And I, you know, the the note and uh, just kind of the scandal of it all in this little town of Caddo, which is still a very little town. It, it's, it's interesting that, you know, so much drama could come out of something so small. I did find it interesting through my research also that uh, I was looking at the town of Caddo, what it is now, and there's actually a store there that's a five and dime store that is the Craighead Five and Dime. I didn't, don't know if the people that own it are related, but I think that's a interesting testament to the people that used to live in that town or may still live there. I don't know. Anyways, guys, what did you think of the episode? Let me know on Facebook. Make sure you subscribe. It really helps us out the algorithms whenever it helps place us favorably in the alg algorithms so when people search for you know true crime or other related subjects this show will be featured i hope you guys have a wonderful week i hope you guys have a wonderful new year i'll see you Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.